Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University, celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U, brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. Welcome back to Mission Matters. I am pleased to have with me today, Andrea Hitzman, who is our Director of Visit and Admission Events. So Andrea, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. As always, we just kind of start off by asking you to talk a little bit about yourself and the work you do at SLU. So let's start with that. Okay. Well, um, like you said, I'm the Director for Campus Visits. I I'm lucky to work in Queen's Daughters Hall, which is a a Gothic mansion built in 1890. So I get to come to a mansion every day and it's beautiful Mm -hmm. in here. I have been at SLU since 1999 and Mm. I have kind of an interesting path how I got here, which I would love to share with you. Let's hear it. So my family was in the shoe business. I'm third generation shoe business. My dad, my grandfather, I think my my mother, my aunt, my uncle, everybody worked for Brown Shoe years and years ago here in St. Louis. And when I graduated high school, I, I started working for my grandfather's small shoe business. And then I went to Brown for a little while. And then I got headhunted by another distributor, a Brazilian shoe company. I didn't like that job. They, they didn't have me working on shoes. I didn't do well. And I'm, I'm going to admit right up front, I got fired. Okay. So I was like 23 years old going to school. They were they were paying for college. So I was waiting tables at South City Diner, huh. <laughs> right, right down the street on Grand. And a friend of mine said, you should get a job at SLU because they pay for college. And she was working at the hospital at the time as mm-hmm. a medical assistant. So I applied to jobs thinking I was going to work at the hospital. And they called me from the human resources office, because back then there was a temp pool. SLU had its own temp pool. So they call me in and I start working in the human resources office for a while as a temp. And I got placed a a couple different offices over the next year or so. The last job I had, I was working in the Institute of Jesuit Sources for Father John Padberg. Now I had never met a priest before in my life. I'm not Catholic. I'm not even Christian. And so I would go into this office every day. It was located in Fuse Hall. I had to walk through the men's dorm to get to the office. And it was me and like five or six Jesuits all day. And I was doing transcription work for Father Padberg on this ancient transcription machine. I was using WordPerfect. I mean, and anybody that's older than 40 is going to laugh. There's this thing with the Jesuit traditions where they have to write letters, all these correspondence, right? Uh That they have to upkeep this communication. So I was typing letters to Rome and cardinals and bishops. And I was really exposed to this world that I knew nothing about. And every morning, Father Padberg would say that you had to take a coffee break with everyone that was in the office. So around 10, 15, I would go make coffee, set out pastries, and then it was a mandatory break where I sat with the Jesuits that were there and we would just talk about life. His one rule was you couldn't talk about work. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, big time exposure to something I'd never known about. So I was there for a couple months. I was engaged at the time and Father Padberg came to me and he said, Andrea, you do great work. He's like, I, 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 I love your, your typing. You, you get everything right. He said, but the only people that have ever had this job before were nuns. 
and you're just nothing like a nun. And I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And so he said, I want to help you find a job here on campus. And he said, I've been talking with Jim Veltry and he's working in the admission office and they have a position over there to be a visit assistant to, to assist the person that was running the visit office at that time. And those two schemed to get me that job. That was oh my gosh. May of 2000. And <laughs> I have done campus visits ever since. That's my story. And when I got to the office of admission and worked in the visit office, it was in DeBerg and they had installed a door at the end of a hallway. And so I shared my space, which was kind of an office, but kind of the end of the hallway with Jim Veltry for eight years with Father Jim Veltry. And we became very close friends because we we shared a space. And as I moved up in the position, at one point, Father Veltry then reported to me. Oh, <laughs> right. And over the years, I have supervised four Jesuits now. So doing a performance evaluation for a Jesuit is an interesting experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're always very good. So I've worked with Al Rotola. He was a fine and performing arts faculty member for a long time. Father Costello was with us for a couple of years before he passed away. He was the president of SLU High um, in his younger years. And then now Bob O'Toole works on my team. Nice. And we're one of the few Jesuit schools that have a Jesuit on the admission staff. And what they do is they just communicate with students who indicate that they're Catholic, that they go to a Jesuit high school or even a Catholic high school. So Bob will communicate with those students through their application and admission process to help them continue the Jesuit tradition or know about the Jesuit tradition as they are going to go into college. The last thing I'll say about Father Veltri. So he passed away in 2015, I believe. And I had to clean out his office. And it was, I walked in there and he only had one post-it note on his computer. And it said, Andrea's cell phone. (laughs) Had my my phone number on it. So I collected all of his things. He had all of his speeches and prayers that he would give at our events, or he was on SGA you know, he was part of the SGA faculty and staff for a long, long time. I have all his awards, his awards for being an employee for 5, 10, 15 years. I have the his right for marriage, which is wow. the, all the, you know, he married so many students over the years and it's got all his handwritten notes in it. So I've been holding on to these things for many years. One of the things also is the Pope came, I guess, in the 80s and signed a poster for Father Veltri, and he had that framed in his office. We still have that here in the visitor center. So a few weeks ago, one of my interns, we were sitting in that room and she said, who is this guy? Who's Father Veltri? So I I told her all this story and she said, you know, there's a Jesuit archive center right down the street. I just learned about it at a campus ministry event. I said, really? So I called them up. I had a very nice conversation with someone over there for about 30 minutes and they're going to come get his things and put them in the archives. And I, I'm so excited because I, I've just been hanging on to them and I, not a lot of people get to see them in our conference room. Um, And I also get to submit this story that I just told you about why I have this stuff and, and how Father Veltri got to be in our office. So that's an amazing collection of stories. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I've lived a hundred lives in one life. So, um, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't even know where to start. (laughs) 
But I, I think the one thing I want to point out for contemporary purposes, you know, like all the all those tidbits are fascinating and exciting to think that Father Veltri's legacy will continue to live on. But I think the piece about how Father O'Toole currently communicates with any student who indicates that they are interested in maintaining a Catholic faith or pursuing that or want to know more about Jesuits, that there is a Jesuit on staff who follows up with that with every incoming student. I want to shout that from the rooftops. That is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. He he reaches out to students that visit. We provide reports to him. Of, we monitor very closely when, when visitors come. Yeah. And we send him a report. And he writes them and he'll continue that conversation even until after they graduate from SLU if they want. And Father Veltri, Father Costello, and Father Rotola all did the same thing. That is their role. And I hope we always keep a Jesuit on our staff. And this is just kind of a sidebar. Let's say Father O'Toole says, okay, Andrew, this is going to be my last year. How does he get replaced? Is that an internal thing that they talk about and he tries to recruit somebody or do you go after somebody? Let me tell you, it's been hard on me because technically two of my staff members have passed away (laughs) and that that doesn't happen to a lot of supervisors, right? Right. So I think they're very gentle with me when when they ask like, how would you like to proceed? We either go to Father Sawalski or we used to go to Father Padberg back when he was the rector to see if anyone is interested. And there generally is someone that's interested. From my understanding, I'm no expert. I don't think they're really allowed to retire. <laughs> so I I think some of them that just, it gives them something to do and still engage, but it's yeah. also, it's not a heavy lift, right? It's just emailing and, or, or send, sometimes they do send paper letters still. Um, so that's how it would happen. So if, if father Bob said, Andrea, I'm done, I would ask Dean Cox to reach out to father Sawalski and see if anyone else was up for it. That's just amazing. I can't believe I didn't know this. Yeah. He does a really great job of, you know, looking at the student's record to see what they were interested in. He might look at their resume and he'll comment on that in the email. I mean, they're individualized. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of a no brainer then. But let's hear it anyway. How do you understand? How have you experienced? How do you transmit the Jesuit mission through the work you do? Okay. So I've been here so long. Uh, You and I talked before that I got to do shared vision as a new employee back in the year 2000 or 2001 or whatever. And um, like I said, I I came to SLU and I didn't have a college degree. Uh Um, So I, I was going to school in the school for professional studies and my major was humanities. And I had a big emphasis on theology and, and religion. I was, I was very interested in that. And so while I'm taking shared vision, I'm learning all about St. Ignatius. I'm learning all about Jesuit mission and identity and what that means. And of course, they talk extensively about Ignatius's personal journey and Mm -hmm. him being like light nobility and then getting hit with the cannonball and then having these, these spiritual experiences that he had. So at the same time, I'm going to school and I'm taking theology classes with Mark Etling. One of my heroes, one of my most favorite professors. I think I took maybe four of his classes um, in my undergrad. And he's so kind and really makes it makes it easy for someone who's, you know, not not religious to understand how this all works. And I, I really, really appreciated those classes. So my dad is a Buddhist, but I never really I mean, it was on the peripheral like my my dad is um, a boomer. He was he turned 18 in 1969. So he picked up Buddhism like all the other hippies, you know, I didn't really pay much attention to it 
as a child, but it was it was a little bit part of our upbringing. So I'm learning about Buddhism and about Siddhartha and how he becomes the Buddha. And I'm just, I, I don't want to sound melodramatic, but anyone who's listening to this that knows me knows that I am a melodramatic person. So it was a magical thing for me. And I don't know if it was because a time in my life where I was emerging myself because I was getting a degree, I was building my career, my, my children, you know, I was, I was starting to have children and build my family. And I just was on this like emerging path. I don't know. So I'm hearing about Ignatius and I'm hearing about Siddhartha and how they both got to a point where they were asking such big why questions and how, and then they had these grand spiritual moments. It just, it resonated with me. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not a theology major. I'm not, I, I feel a little bit imposter syndrome, like talking about this because I'm, I'm just an event planner, right? (laughs) The thing is that I got to experience that just going to work. You know what I mean? And that is, I, I, I don't know what better word to use besides magical for me. It was life-changing. And I feel like I am so lucky to have landed in it because I could still be a customer service rep for a shoe company, right? Like, how do I get here? And, and what, is, what does that mean then? You know, when Ignatius would talk that idea that if he wasn't serving God, that he wasn't happy, right? And learning about like servant leadership and well, men and women for and with others, right? That was amazing to me. And I really try to take it on in a personal way when I approach my work. And then when I got I got to grad school, I did the program in leadership and organizational development. So then I'm I'm learning how to technically be a leader and how to work that into what I do every day. So I'll give you a few examples of, of those things that I think I do. So as I mentioned, I, I work in the admission office and I'm an admission employee, but I am not a recruitment person. Like I don't have a territory. I've done some travel when they ask me when they need me out there sometimes. But generally what I tell the recruitment team is that I am in service to them. Mm. And what my job is, is to create an environment where they can build relationships with prospective students and their families. Awesome. And I don't go in at the beginning of the year and say, this is what the year is going to look like. This is what our events are going to look like. And this is what we're going to do. I sit down with them in the summer and say, what do you need? What will help you when these students come to campus? And then at the end of the year, I sit down with all of them and say, what did you like? And what didn't you like all year long? Because it's up to them. We do high school counselor visits, right? High school counselors come from all over the world. And I've done many events with with them over the years. And I can sit and talk with the high school counselor. That's great. But I would rather be able to pick out a really awesome St. Louis restaurant where our Tennessee recruiter can sit down with a counselor from Tennessee and they they can get to know each other. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So yes. I truly, I want them to engage with me to, to have visit programs and visit opportunities that are meaningful for them. And then I oversee our student leadership program in the office. And we have interns, the university ambassadors. Our university ambassadors are the paid tour guides. And then our Billiken buddies, which are the volunteer tour guides. And I've been building this program for 20 years. 
And once someone has been a Billiken buddy, a volunteer for a year, they're then eligible to apply to become an ambassador. And then once ambassadors do it for a semester, they're eligible to apply to become interns. So it's this three-tiered system. And, and the interns are the ones that oversee the two student groups. So I have a, um, a little saying I like to tell them, I'll tell you what to do or how to do it, but not both. <laughs> So I'll say, you know, this is what the visit program is going to look like. This is how many students I need for this tour and how many students I need in this panel. But you figure out how to get them there because I want those interns to have the opportunity to be leaders. And when they graduate, and most of the, most of my interns over the years have, have been undergraduate students, they can put that they directly supervised their peers in college. Yeah. So yeah. they walk out of here with supervisory experience. And that is super rewarding. Two weeks ago at homecoming, we had a reunion for interns and university ambassadors. Probably had about 40, 50 of them show up. When I had to put together the list of the students that had worked with me over the past 24 years, there were 460 names. I was like, I mean, how, how lucky am I? Like all these people are out in the world and I got to work with them and, and be a part of their journey. Many of them contact me and tell me like, thanks, I, I proved my boss wrong today because of something you told me or <laughs> stuff like that. It's, it's really rewarding. That's amazing. So how many interns in any given academic year? It's between 11 and 15. And we break them up. We have subunits in the office of admission. I'm, there's visits, there's recruitment. We have, we have a communications team. We have an operations team. Yeah. We have a, a regional team of recruiters that live across the country. And so those interns not only oversee our tour guide groups, but they also get projects related to the subunit that they're in. The, the interns that are visit interns, I, I'm teaching them event planning and calendar planning. You know, they, they get to assist me on that. They walk away with a ton of experience. And when it comes to the university ambassadors, you know, I work, I work with Susan Finnell on this so she is their, their technical manager, but we oversee together like the experience for them. And we don't want them just to be tour guides. And being a tour guide is, is awesome. And that's, that's a great experience. But we, we like to give them projects. We give them a professional staff mentor in the mm -hmm. office. We tell our, our pro staff colleagues, just take them to lunch. Just send them an email every once in a while. Check in with them. If you don't have projects for them, that's okay. Just be there for them. Right. It's really rewarding for the professional staff to also have a mentee because so once students get here, they're kind of off being current students and we're, we're mostly focused on prospective students. So this gives everyone here the opportunity to continue to work with current SLU students. Yes. And that I'm super proud of. And I, I love that, that they just get to have like a full resume. That's amazing. So I got to do a little mission jaunt here, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that whole first thing you're talking about in terms of how you interact with the recruitment staff, I mean, you're talking about discernment, you're talking about examine at the end of the year, what went well, what didn't go well, you're talking about building community, it's all right there. And then with this tiered approach to building student leadership, all I can think of there is the way Ignatius built a society right? That it wasn't just about the, the project itself. It was about the community committed to the project. It's yeah. amazing. That's awesome. You, you were definitely much more eloquent at explaining it than Not I Not at all. I love that. No, yeah. I no, just I encapsulated that. what you said. Yeah. I, I am committed to it. I'm, I'm so glad it fell into my life, you know? 
isn't that crazy how life can go in the way that leads us into deeper meaning without us really having to do a whole lot to make it happen? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a really strong religious faith stance personally, but I do feel like some reason I'm here. Right. And I'm I'm 48 this year and I've been here 24 years. So it's a really big uh, thing for me this year. I've I've spent half my life here and I I couldn't be prouder of of the things that I've been able to accomplish and it's just cuz this place is pretty special. Well, it's it is because of the people who make it up and because of the work that we do collectively. So just out of the mission office, I want to thank you for putting so much of yourself and your heart and your mind and your spirit and everything into the work you do. Cause SLU is only the people that make it up. Yeah. And I, I've met so many amazing people over the years. So, yeah. Well, is there anything else? I mean, this has been fantastic. <laughs> well, I guess, um, I would like to say that anytime a faculty or staff member would like a campus tour, I hope that they will contact us. You know, we are down in Queen's Daughters Hall, so we're not right in the middle of everything, but we offer a staff tour every Tuesday and Thursday. They can just walk in anytime. They are offered to new employees. That's a new initiative that we have this year. So all new employees are are welcome to come take the tour. And we do them 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday that we're open. And so even if if someone has been here 25 years, they are welcome to come join. Just come into New Student Visit Center in Queen's Daughters Hall on Tuesday or Thursday at 11 or 2. But if faculty or staff are parents of high school students and they they would like us to set up something for their child, absolutely reach out to me. We do, I don't know, maybe 30, sometimes 40 events every year. Like I said, we we have visits for high school counselors that we do. And then in the fall, our visit programs are geared to, of course, hoping to drive students to apply. So right now we're, we're getting ready for the fall visit season. Of course, it's lovely to visit colleges in the Midwest in October, yes. right? It's beautiful here. And we have some campus visit programs coming up, preview day, which is like an open house. We're going to do some, a couple of health career visit days this year. Those are October 14th and November 4th. They're on Saturday. And the School of Medicine has been kind enough to let us come in and show off the clinical skills lab and the auditorium. So prospective high prospective students that are still in high school will get to take a little sneak peek into what med school might be like. We really try to make the experience interactive and move at a quick pace. You know, I think after the pandemic, we all struggle a little bit with sitting still. Mm -hmm. So instead of bringing visitors in and putting them in an auditorium and just kind of talking at them for an hour, yes, we talk at them for a little bit. We got to get the information, (laughs) but I have them going out to check out the residence hall rooms. Every tour goes into the library, sees a classroom, sees the dining center. And on certain days, we take them into the the new ISE, the Interdisciplinary Science and Engineering Building. And sometimes the Water Institute will open up so people can touch things and see things and and interact with students. And that's why also we have such a huge staff of tour guides and students, current students here. And they've got more credibility with prospective students anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. And and they love it. So that way they can figure out how to see themselves here. We don't, we don't have a script for the tour. We tell them they have to go to these stops. We, we really tell them, 
tell your story. Why is this your favorite place to eat? Why do you like to study here more? You know, how much fun did you have living in Reinert your freshman year? Because that can be a hard sell, right? Those are things that, that we want them to talk about and talk about their personal experience. So anyway, if anybody wants to know about all of our visit options, you just go to the SLU webpage and guess what? Visit is the top button in the middle. So if you want to learn anything about visits, we're, we're the most important on the SLU's main website. Fabulous. Um, and then, like I said, we'll, we'll do a tour for anybody at any time. Um, yeah. And- or even just encouraging people to pop into Queen's Daughter because just to see where you are, what you do and all of yeah. that. And, and to just see that it's a beautiful old house. So yeah, yeah, I think that's about it. I, I would like, I would love everybody to, to know more about uh, campus visits. I would love more faculty and staff if they're interested to reach out, to give me ideas on how they would like to engage with prospective students. I'm really grateful for the, the faculty and staff that do help us a lot. You know, they, they, they come and give presentations. They allow us into their spaces and they, they connect with the, with the students too during their admission and application process. So however we can work together, I I would love to continue doing that. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is, this has been a blast. Awesome. (laughs) I said I was melodramatic. People that know me for a long time, they'll, they'll know. (laughs) I would, I would call it enthusiastic. I would not call it melodramatic, but I also don't know you very well. So (laughs) I'm pretty, I'm pretty outgoing. I mean, you have to be right to plan all these events and and, and, you know, when I said that I didn't go to college, you know, like in a traditional way, I went to college as an adult. Well, now I, I go to college every day. I have been going to college for almost 25 <laughs> years. I mean, it's too fun. Exactly. You know, I'm with college kids all day. I, I couldn't ask for a more exciting job. Well, thank you for all you do. And I'm grateful that you were able to be with us today. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. I had fun. And for all of you listening, thank you for joining us. And please continue to tune in to Mission Matters, where we highlight the good work being done here in the SLU community, adding to the 500-plus year legacy of Jesuit education. Until next time, let's join together as a community, walking a pilgrim's path, following in the footsteps of St. Ignatius in our shared mission. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU, and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.